It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Monday episode of Locked On Raptors, Tyrese Maxey eviscerates the Raptors in a Sixers blowout win on Friday. We will dig into the mess, pick apart some good, bad, hmm, all of that. That's all coming up on your Big V Monday with Vivek Jacob of Raptors.com as we dig into a horrible loss to the Sixers. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of mess. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the bridge of the Hail Mary three by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1271 of Lockdown Raptors for Monday, October the 31st. It's spooky day. I am your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons for various platforms. You can subscribe to my Substack newsletter, Post Touches, which I've gone quiet on the last two weeks because I've been very busy. It's coming back this week. Don't worry. You'll get plenty of postage this week and uh, get back into the regular groove there. You can go subscribe. It's in my pinned tweet if you want to go and find it. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can also find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free on all the audio apps. And we are also on YouTube as well. If you want to see the video each day, just go over to YouTube, search in Locked On Raptors, hit the big red subscribe button, and you have done me a very valuable service. All right, on today's show... Ugh. Uh, 112.90, the Philadelphia 76ers avenged their Wednesday loss to the Raptors last week with a blowout win in Toronto on Friday. The Raptors fall to 3-3 three and three on the year, and the story in this one, Tyrese Maxey, just going nuts. 44 points on 15 of 20 here to break down the the remnants, the remains, the rubble that <laughs> that, that was left behind by Tyrese Maxey is our pal Vivek Jacob from Raptors.com. Big V. How the hell are you on this very gross, rainy, nasty Monday? Yeah, I mean, not not a great weekend uh, for the teams 
I watch um, the Raptors <laughs> got blown out. Um, Team India lost at the World Cup to South Africa, but sorry, man. On the on the whole, on the whole, it was still you know positive weekend. A lot of good things came of it, and mm-hmm. ready to look ahead for this Raptors team. I mean, three and three over this stretch of what was supposed to be a very difficult start um, mm-hmm. is something that you can't complain too much about, you know, maybe, you know, now that we have the context of how it's played out, you're looking at it and saying, Oh, no Embiid, you should have got that one. You know, Mm -hmm. take care of a few minutes against Brooklyn. You could easily be five and one, but that's why you play the games. Sure is man. And I mean, look, we're going to talk about Fred Van Vliet on this episode. I would presume we're going to talk about, Pressures to chew a little on this episode, I would presume. If you get O of 17 from Fred Van Vliet and Pressures to chew, you're not winning many games. Uh, you know, it was complicated by the fact that they also let Tyrese Maxey just run wild all over the place. But, you know, sometimes this happens and guys have rough nights and there's not a whole lot you can do about it and you just got to move on. And that's probably what will, like, there's not a whole lot to sort of lean on this loss and say, oh no, this spells doom coming for the Raptors. Although there are a couple of things that could be trouble. But yeah, overall, I mean, this is a game where one guy goes nuts, two of your players no-show entirely, and there's just not much you can do about that on a random regular season night. With that, let's get into the biggest takeaway from this game, and I do think the biggest takeaway is the fact that the Raptors let Tyrese Maxey kind of just run all over them, shoot all over them, score all over them, playmake all over them. It was... Really, really ugly, man. The way they guarded Tyrese Maxey in this one, of course, no Joel Embiid in the game, so you figured Maxey was going to take on a bigger offensive burden. You didn't even get a very loud James Harden game in this one, just 11 points for him. This really was Maxey kind of putting the team on his shoulders, and... I don't know about you, but I feel like there were some things the Raptors did to kind of gift Tyrese Maxey a lot of these open looks. What was your sort of impression of how the Raptors guarded him, and where did things fall apart in your eyes? Well, number one, I think they fell into that trap that they had um, at the beginning of the Sixers series uh, Mm. in the playoffs where they respected James Harden too much. Yeah. And it's like, hey, let's get get the ball out of his hands. That's a big problem. No, it's like you have the tools to defend James Harden one-on-one, you know, challenge him to be that guy. And I think maybe, you know, on the surface, they're looking at James Harden putting up the numbers that he's putting up and saying, oh, James Harden might be back here. Yeah. And uh, I still don't think the burst is quite there. So go ahead, defend him one on one. Um, and uh, I think greater respect could have been shown to Maxi uh, mm-hmm. in that regard. And But beyond that, they also just did not defend very well um, yeah. at all. And like the number of open shots he got to start off like i will you know sort of concede that that running hook shot that he has where he's going off the wrong foot it's like he's coming at you so fast i don't Mm -hmm. really like unless you really get him on the catch i think that momentum is tough to tough to stop sure so i'll concede that stop uh, that shot but the other shots you know i think you just got to defend better um, there was miscommunication. There was, um, you know, bad switching. Um, guys kind of were assuming um, almost different schemes on different plays. 
<laughs> that that was troubling yeah. uh and so yeah overall just uh, a really really rough first half third quarter you felt like oh okay they've turned it up you know they they only give up the 16 points and it's like okay here's your momentum but i thought it was an like a crucial stretch when chris boucher hits that three to cut it to seven mm -hmm. and then uh pascal had the poor closeout um and they were able to get the easy bucket then uh gary trent you know there's no way in that situation that you shouldn't be taking the last shot mm -hmm. and trent jr ends up taking the shot early enough where the sixers are able to push the ball and now they get a two-on-one and so now you've got five points that completely uh nullifies the three-point shot from boucher that kind of gave you some momentum and now you're mm -hmm. down 11 going into the fourth yeah, it's tough, man. Like they they, they did hang, right? Like they, there were there were certainly flourishes where it looked like OG and Pascal and Chris Boucher might keep them in this one. But yeah, when you just defend that lackadaisically against a guy who's that red hot, there's just not a whole lot that's going to happen. Like, and you're to your point. Like, I can forgive to some degree getting blown by by Tyrese Maxey. There might not be a better blow by guy in the NBA right now. He's extremely fast. The first step is ridiculous. And if you set a screen for him, just the amount of work you got to do to make up that ground in such a short amount of time is very difficult. So look, that's going to happen. We'll talk about the maybe concerns with faster guards in a sec here, but the bigger thing for me was just like losing Tyrese Maxey off the ball as he's in the midst of a 10 of 10 first half. Like what is happening there? There was one possession where Precious Achua just kind of like forgot about him as he was on the low block and he just seeped to the corner and all of a sudden it's a wide open three. There was a, a miscommunicated switch with Fred, which was weird to see because Fred rarely messes that kind of stuff up and he ended up leaving him open on the left wing. Just way too many instances of a dude who you know is destroying you just getting lost. And I guess that's part of you know, it's a little bit of a symptom of the way the Raptors play defense, right? Like there's a lot of rotation. There's a lot of stuff to account for and a little jitterbug guard who can kind of move around, relocate the way Tyrese Maxey can is liable to get lost in the mix sometimes. And that's something you got to try to clear up. That said, the on-ball defense wasn't good either. You know, there were blow-bys for basically everybody at various points of the game. Uh, you know, Fred, he talked about after the game really not having a whole lot of pop. We saw it in the jump shot for sure, but on defense, I thought it was just as, if not more apparent. Uh, and like Gary Trent Jr., man, doesn't stand a chance when Maxie's got him one-on-one. -on -one. It is uh, painful. So let me ask you, Big V. We've seen Donovan Mitchell cook the Raptors so far this season in the opener. Of course, they won that game, but he had himself a night. We've seen Tyler Hero have a good game against the Raptors or two. And now we've seen Tyrese Maxey have a 30-point game and a 44-point game. The Raptors play Trey Young tonight. The fast guards thing is not going away anytime soon. We talked about this in the postseason last year. We talked about this in the regular season last year, how you know oftentimes fast guards were kind of their big bugaboo. Are you concerned that we've seen that carry over to this season? Do you think that could be something that kind of is a threat to their defense all season long? Or are there ways you think they can kind of touch up the way they guard these slippery guards? It's a threat for sure. I think mm -hmm. that when you look at the backcourt as a whole between mm -hmm. Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr., uh, there's not, you know, genuine speed there. And yeah. so... Um, I think you have to look at it as a combination of those two players. And then it's like you're trying to sort of rebalance the defensive matchups from there. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you mentioned Trey Young. We've seen OG Ananobi 
uh, have that matchup before and, and do very well. Um, we saw in this game Pascal Siakam uh, get some possessions on Tyrese Maxey. And so mm-hmm. when you're forced to look at those other solutions, that's I think to this point we can say that's one uh, weakness of Fred Van Vliet. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's a combination. It's a, it's a weakness for Gary Trent Jr. as well, right? Mm-hmm. They both have an inability to do it. And so you're looking for these other solutions. So uh, that point of attack defense, um, you look at the way they're able to, uh, guys like Maxi, Trey Young, uh, are able to, you know, free themselves, uh, mm-hmm. I would say, is uh, a bit troubling. But I also think you have to execute to yeah. really, really learn, uh, to really, really um, figure out how badly you need a solution right like if yeah if you can execute properly then you know that's when you have those stretches where og looks great because everyone mm-hmm. else behind that is doing what they're supposed to do right mm-hmm. and so when you get away from fred van vliet be- being the matchup when you get away from gary Trent jr being the matchup right if those two also excel in those other matchups then everything can fall into place and mm-hmm. so I think that's where the problem was in this game. It was like nothing fell into place. Yeah, it was a disarray all over the place for sure. And look, I do think there are some solutions the Raptors can use in these spots, right? Like I think obviously OG is kind of their ace in the hole. You don't want to have to have OG chasing around a Tyrese Maxey or a Trey Young all game long because of all the other great defensive stuff he does. But you know that that's a thing he can do. I also think I've been pretty encouraged by scotty barnes's on ball stuff so far this season he looks a little bit less you know overzealous he's not kind of getting in the grill of dudes and getting blown by super easily um and you know a an on his game precious achua is kind of an excellent answer for these guys too because he is fast enough to stay in front of them he is super mobile um and honestly if you're talking about arguments for starting precious over gary trent jr which is kind of cooled as the season started because precious hasn't looked consistently all that great you know he's had moments here and there but i do think you know, the argument for starting that small ball lineup is, well, it's, you know, it's not small ball, the big ball lineup with Precious as your center. Um, you know, the argument there is, okay, that's, you get one more defense ability off the floor. You're just kind of impenetrable across the board. You can switch everything essentially. And, you know, you can cover up for Fred's perhaps moments of slowness here and there. Um, it's tricky though. Like Maxie's good. Trey Young's really good. I'm excited to see what it looks like with Trey Young tonight. You know, I don't know if the off-ball stuff will have to be, you know, we'll, we'll rear its ugly head again because Trey Young's not shooting off-ball like <laughs> at all, even with DeJounte Murray in town, taking the same number, essentially, of catch-and-shoots as he did last year, about, a, you know, one per game. So it's going to be a lot of him on the ball. And they've shown they can handle that reasonably well, especially with OG. Uh, we'll see, though, because it is certainly something to keep an eye on here if they can kind of figure out a way to handle these fast guards. It's going to go a long way to preventing them from having nights like they had on Friday where Maxi just kind of goes loose and is uh, just a nightmare to deal with. Um, the last thing that should be yeah. said about Maxi is mm-hmm. since the Harden trade, he yeah. is averaging over 20 points a game on 64% true shooting. So he's really good. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
<laughs> he's very good. Also, uh, you know, when he's on the floor, maybe just like uh, spam actions that put him in screens and you know yeah. try to get switches because he's a stinky ass defender. Still, uh, you got to try to play him off the floor in those situations if you can. Not that they're going to take him off, but make it so it's a difficult bargain for Doc Rivers to make to have him out there because Pascal Siakam's sizing him up and backing him down time and time again. Uh, we'll continue on here, get into Pascal Siakam, who, despite the loss, was fantastic, and again, continues to be the reason why you shouldn't be worried about these losses, because Pascal's offering such a baseline that you got to feel pretty all right about where the team's headed. We'll get to that in just one second here, but first, want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.net, your number one spot for betting football and the brand NBA season as well. You can find all the latest player developments, team matchup news, podcast, and in-depth analysis on every single game. So you can become the informed wagerer. It's really just like doing your research before anything. You're not just going to throw money down on a new house or you know, just because you haven't, you feel like it. You're going to go do inspections. You're going to get a look at the house before you throw your money down. It's the exact same idea with gambling. If you're going to throw some money down on a team, make sure you're throwing down on the right team. Become the informed wagerer with Bet Online and all of their fantastic tools to help get you there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events. You've got MLB, World Series going on right now, MMA, boxing, golf, all of it is there and more. Head to the website today, use your mobile device to learn more, and Bet Online is where the game starts. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right, we continue on here with your first listener of the day with Big V, Vivek Jacob from Raptors.com for a classic Big V Monday episode. We love Big V Monday. All right, Big V. Pascal Siakam, we should talk about him. 26, 10 and 6 in this one, a 9 of 15 overall. Uh, he continues to be incredible. He is one of three players in the NBA, averaging 25, 7, and 7. The other two are LeBron James and Luka Doncic. That's the territory he's been in to start this year. It's been awesome. Uh, we should probably just wax a little on his game on Friday night and sort of the idea that him playing like this, just kind of being this baseline of consistency, even in losses, I feel like that makes it so any loss isn't all that painful, right? Because you kind of know there's this baseline that Pascal is going to provide. What were your impressions of his game on Friday night? 9 of 15. He, he gets to the line nine times again. He's been doing that with great consistency so far. Overall impressions of a big night from Pascal, even in a losing effort. You're muted, Big V. You're muted. <laughs> I went off for the ads. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think it's impressive that uh, you know, after a night like that, we're, you know, our eyes aren't getting bigger. We're sort of looking at it like just another night for Pascal. Um, mm -hmm. I was more caught up in, 
uh, OG's performance and yep. how he was at stretches, you know, sort of keeping the Raptors single-handedly in it. And mm-hmm. Pascal, I think this he's already established that this is kind of par for the course now. And mm-hmm. um, we know, especially against Philly, he puts up some monster numbers. <laughs> you know who else he puts up big numbers against? Atlanta. <laughs> Atlanta, watch out. <laughs> so... <clears throat> yeah, I'm really impressed with the way he's playing right now. And um, you could see even just watching the game um, during timeouts, like as they're struggling through that first half, like he's really pushing them to try and take it up a notch. And, mm-hmm. you know, those are the things uh, that he continues to add to, you know, his overall leadership. Um, his demeanor on the court. Uh, he said he's wa- he wants to be more of a killer this season. You're seeing that he's recognizing stretches where, you know, he he knows he needs to take over. He needs to be the assertive one. Um, and those are the things that I find really encouraging this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, that that big turnaround fade he hit against Miami. Um, those are the things you want to see from your one A guy. And so, mm-hmm. uh, Pascal is honestly playing amazing basketball and there's really uh not much to criticize maybe uh, a little bit with the free throw shooting but we'll see that come along i'm sure seven and nine that's a step forward i think yeah uh, yeah, yeah it's <laughs> you know better than the 65 percent he's been hovering around to start the year um i mean there, there was the 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 one element that kind of got away from him that was five turnovers against yeah. the sixers any alarm there or is it just kind of a you know weird sloppy game it did seem like a lot of it was not necessarily the product of bad process. It was just sort of uh, that one got booted away or uh, maybe an ill-time pass here and there. Anything, because obviously we're going to maintain an eye on that because that is kind of the the last step of becoming a super duper star is, are you an excellent playmaker and do you take care of the ball? And, you know, I think for the most part, he's been fantastic in that regard, but five turnovers on Friday, any alarm there or just a random bad night in that that department? No alarm for me. I, I thought the Raptors as a whole were really really bad in transition especially for the standard that they've set and so some of those turnovers that you saw in transition you just don't associate with the team nor him Mm -hmm. and so i assume that you know that'll be the last we see of it until you know you you get those random off nights in an 82 game season so Mm -hmm. uh yeah I, i don't look at that as any kind of alarm um and so yeah, I think, you know, he he brought up the five turnovers after the game as well and sort mm-hmm. of put that on himself. And I think as a whole, that was just something that the team struggled with. So I'm not concerned by that. Yeah, I'm with you there. Where they did struggle, of course, was in getting contributions beyond, I would say, Pascal, OG. I think Scotty Barnes was pretty good, even though seven shots. I wish he would have more attempts than that in a game, considering how he was firing away from downtown. Still, I thought it was a pretty good Scotty game. Um, but after that, you know, you got a nice run from Chris Boucher off the bench, as you kind of expect, because he's an awesome, awesome bench player. But the depth, obviously, when you have Fred shooting the way he did, off night for Trent, you know, you kind of are depending on some guys to pop from deeper in the bench. We saw Nick Nurse go 
briefly to stretches of Malachi Flynn and Thad Young, even before garbage time. Not very long stretches, not very successful or fruitful stretches, but, um, you know, early season, we're seeing the kind of evolution of how those second units are going to look. I kind of felt like they found a pretty good sweet spot on Wednesday in that game against the Sixers that they won, even though they only went kind of eight deep. And, you know, I guess there was a little Banton mixed in there, but for the most part, it was sort of the Coloco-Boucher precious trio being paired with starters. Uh, any thoughts on the way Nick Nurse managed the bench in this one and any guys who you maybe like to see more or less of as we still kind of test the waters and see kind of who's bringing what in the early going here? Um, yeah, I had no issues with uh, who Nick turned to. Mm-hmm. Um, he's explained that he views that as, you know, a situational uh, guy now mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Obviously, Otto Porter can't come back soon enough. Please, but... Otto, please. <laughs> <laughs> Congrats on the baby, though. Yeah, um, amazing. Congratulations that. to him. And, yeah. uh, you know, look forward to having him back and knocking down some three balls for this bench unit. That, that's the thing, right? Like, they had zero points in the first half. Uh, mm-hmm. You can't have that uh, from your bench. You need those contributions. And uh, Precious, again, you can't have like these amazing highs of 22 rebounds uh and a double double mixed in with like literally just like zeros across the board right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um i think he's got to be better with his consistency that's a big challenge to him i think mm-hmm. um any conversation about him entering that starting lineup like i think the challenge has to be for him to earn it and yes yeah, and for sure. absolutely uh, you know, make that case that he is among the best five players on this team, which I don't think uh, at this current moment with his lack of consistency can be mm-hmm. said. Um, and so um, I hope he continues to take on that challenge and plays better uh, as the season goes on. Um, yeah, besides that, like, I think potentially there might be some more minutes for Thad, uh, I'd like to think, um, especially like, situations where you see the Raptors struggle so much with mm-hmm. uh, a zone defense yeah. and you know his, his ability uh to find players and that being said there's zero movement against the zone in this yeah. game like that yeah. was so frustrating like the lack of cutting the lack of you know ball movement like side to side like get guys moving get those defenders moving thinking that's how you break the zone uh, mm-hmm. and like that sort of one, two dribbles, it's like, oh, I can't get into the paint. And then just stagnant offense where now you're forced to settle for threes. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and that's the thing. Some people were like, oh, why are the Raptors taking threes instead of like getting into the paint? It was like there was such a lack of intensity with which they attacked the paint, whether it mm-hmm. was off ball through cuts or whether it was with the ball. And so then you're forced to settle. And so I think that's something where, you know, Thad has a bit of that Marc Gasol, right? Where he's, where if he's got the ball in his hands, guys are like, okay, let's move. You know what I mean? Totally. Um, Especially Boucher. Like that, that, that combo really started to get some simpatico going last year. And we haven't really seen them play much together at all this year because Boucher missed the games Thad was playing in. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think that's something uh, that Nick might need to look at. Yeah, I mean, you spoiled my bad in the good, the bad, and the hmm coming up later, the way they attack the zone. (laughs) Uh, Really, really bad stuff. We'll get into that a little bit more 
in just one second here, Big V. Before we do that, however, I want to just remind people that you can go check out Locked on Leafs every day on your favorite podcast apps as the Leafs are making their way around the West Coast right now. Dave and Mike over at Locked on Leafs doing a great job making sense of it all as they weather a pretty inconsistent early season. But what do you expect? It's the Leafs. Everyone's going to be mad in their first couple of weeks. They'll probably even out. Either way, Mike and Dave are making sense of it all. Go listen to Locked on Leafs wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right, Big V, it's the good, the bad, and the hmm, the segment that the people simply can't get enough of. Uh, We're each going to run through a thing we liked, a thing we didn't like, and a thing that's got us interested after the game against the Sixers. We'll begin with the good, and I will defer to you what you got, Big V. What is your good from Friday night? Uh, My good is OG. I I thought OG was awesome in this game. Like, those stretches, again, where he was getting it done offensively defensively like just amazing stops and then getting out in transition as much as he could obviously didn't work out uh, as well as, as it should have uh, as mm-hmm. we saw with the raptors transition game but um i thought his effort level his intensity uh, was there throughout and that's kind of the leadership that you want to see um from a guy in his fifth year now sixth He's been around a long time. Yeah, he's a he's a wizened old man at this point. Yeah, um, yeah. OG is such an obvious answer. He was incredible, and to me, I wrote down a very specific play as my good. It was OG related. I figured you might go OG on this one. Uh, just the transition block he had on Tobias Harris, where he face guarded him the entire way down and then just blocked him into oblivion. That's one of the more impressive blocks I can recall OG coming up with, and he's blocked a lot of dudes very impressively. But that one, just like the body control to not foul in that situation and to just kind of see Tobias Harris's doom get telegraphed as he was dribbling down the court with OG there, like, that was impressive stuff. Uh, Nice to see him kind of get it going. I mean, his defense has been incredible all season. You know, he's had the moments here and there on offense, but that was a a nice positive step forward for OG after a bit of an up and down start, for sure. Uh, Let's get to the bad and uh, we already kind of talked about it for me. I'm going to go with the zone busting. Just, uh, you know, again, when you get a rough night shooting from Fred, 0 of 11, when you get Precious, who was often out there against those zones, going 0 of 6, and what did he shoot from downtown? Uh, had it here. Um, he was not good. He was 0 of, 0 of 3. And then you get Trent going 2 of 7. Like, it's going to be tough to bust open those zones just relying on threes. You know, earlier, other previous games, maybe they do get by with it. They have gotten by with it against the zone because they're they're just been bombing threes away. But bit of a crash back to earth in this one. They're not going to shoot like they did all the time. They're not going to be 23% all the time, but it's not going to be 44% all the time either. And they need to come up with some better solutions, I think. I did think that I, I enjoyed the moments where Scotty Barnes was in the middle of the floor in the zone. A few instances here and there. I think that's where his one assist came from, was on a pass, I want to say, to Gary out of, in, in the zone. Um, you know, he just has such good vision there, and there's a lot you can do off of. It's kind of like a souped-up version of what you were just talking about with Thad Young, right? Like, he's just so 
Uh, he sees things develop before anybody else does, and I think that's a valuable thing to have in the middle of the floor. He can survey the whole floor. Um, I like him when he's working in the middle of the zone there. Guy who I don't like in the zone is Precious Achua. And I almost wonder if you just take him off the floor when a team zones up against you, because he really does not really like, again, the, the whole theory, I think it's, I want to say it's Patrick Redford from uh, defector who concocted the concept of knowing where to stand being an extremely valuable thing in NBA basketball and pressures Achua for the most part, I think mostly knows where to stand in a zone. I don't think he has any idea where to stand. I don't think he knows really what he's doing. Um, he just kind of gets in the way a whole lot. What, what are your thoughts on the, way precious in particular performed against the zone in this one because i felt like when he was out there it was just causing them all sorts of problems and discombobulation yeah i, I think you've made some good points he's also shooting 23 percent from three so yeah it's, it's not like he's helping from the outside yeah mm -hmm. i think there is um how do i want to word this there is always intent with precious achua mm -hmm. um but maybe uh, it's not, you know, directed in the right way. Uh, <laughs> and so I think with Precious, it's like, you know, he recognizes that the offense is stagnant. Yeah. And it's just, okay, I'm going to attack. But then mm -hmm. there's no real thought into, you know, where is he drawing in a defender from? Where, you know, he's attacking from that type of thing. Um, it's just... I'm going to dribble <laughs> uh, uh, or I'm going to shoot. Um, yeah. And so I think, I think that's where, you know, you, you got to watch film. You got to understand um, who you're trying to draw in, who you're trying to maybe, uh, you know, create some sort of handoff situation for. Um, and that can get the ball moving that can get players moving. And so I think a bit more, um, you know, purpose to his intent uh mm. would be good yeah in terms of my bad you you've touched on fred van vliet's shooting so mm -hmm. i'll leave that off the table i will go with uh nick nurse I okay that um he had a poor game i think uh he didn't really have a game plan for this team i think he showed james harden too much respect mm -hmm. and we've seen him get out coached by doc rivers before and uh, he got out coached in this one, I thought. And yeah, again, you know, we are seeing these stretches where he can be, I don't want to say stubborn, but um, Fred was so clearly struggling. Mm -hmm. And there were stretches where you could have just looked for a different option. Um, mm -hmm. I, I did like that, you know, he tried Malachi. For a couple minutes there, I know people were critical of that, but if you go back to the playoff series, like Malachi, legitimately had good defensive stretches against both Maxi and Harden. He did, um, yeah. So I understood the thinking behind that, um, but uh, yeah, I feel like I feel like that can help this team, and I'm not yeah. understanding why he's seen as little floor time as he's seen so far. Yeah, I feel like. With Thad, they've kind of put him in this position where it's like, well, you got to better hit your corner threes. And, like, that's not Thad's bag. It never really has been. He is, you know, his best stretches as a pro have come as a small ball five, playing alongside good players. He's an amplifier. And we haven't really seen him play with the Raptors' best players at all. And to me, that feels like a pretty gross misuse of Thad Young. 
of course, you know, they're working guys in and, you know, it's early in the season and all that. But I agree. I, I, not the the greatest Nick Nurse game for sure. Um, and yeah, like it's just the Harden thing, the respect for him, the maybe seemingly the, the just like the underestimating of how freaking good Tyrese Maxey is. Like that's there as well for sure. Um, you know, I, the, the, I, the strange thing was pregame, he was like, we we've learned like, he was like you know how, how does it change with him beat out and he was like yeah. hey we, we've learned we need a game plan for maxi yeah <laughs> and then you see that yeah i mean great game plan uh worked great uh <laughs> that's I mean, that's the thing too like hey it, i would imagine you prep for a sixers team most of it goes into all right Embiid's gonna touch it a lot how do we react to that like it's a it's a tricky audible to make but um, you know, it also becomes a lot easier when Joel Embiid's not ruining your life from the middle, then you should be able to figure that out on the fly. Which leads me to my, hmm, we kind of touched on this at the start of the show about the sort of small guards, fast guards giving the Raptors problems. And I wonder if this might be a little bit more of a blueprint for teams to try out, where they just go super small and try to outfast the Raptors. You know, the Raptors are big, they're long, they're rangy, but... They can get blown by on the perimeter, and they don't have a ton of backline rim, rim, rim protection going on. And so I wonder if maybe we'll start to see teams skew small, with the blueprint being the Harden, Maxi, Melton, uh, Tucker, Harris starting lineup that performed really well against the Raptors in this one. You know, I kind of, I would love to see Big V, just, help, just bear with me here for a second. I'm envisioning this Raptors team squaring off against the Kyle Lowry, Norm Powell, Fred Van Vliet, Siakam, OG lineup. That was basically the only thing they could run out in that Celtics series in the bubble. And I'm curious as to like how the Raptors would hang with a lineup that skews that small. Um, I'm really excited to see them play the Blazers, for example, where they're super small, super quick. That's kind of the thing they've prioritized. I wonder if that could be a potential sort of counter to the way the Raptors have built their team. It's just a small one game thing. And it's, you know, the guards have mostly been the problem. The wings, maybe not so much. But um, what are your thoughts on maybe that kind of being a blueprint for teams down the line to just skew super small and try to outrun the Raptors and sort of get blow buys and things like that and hope that their lack of backline rim protection is, you know, not going to be there to save them, obviously. Yeah, I think that that's a great point that you've made, right? Like, what was the adjustment from Doc Rivers going to be to replace Embiid? And he puts De'Anthony Melton in the starting lineup, and it's like, mm -hmm. hey, we're going to get another guy who can handle the ball in there, really uh, get into, uh, you know, s spaces on the perimeter and attack and uh, create some movement off of that, um, create some open shots off of that, and you could see the Raptors struggle with that. And so mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I think that's a really good point. How the Raptors handle that defensively is going to be uh, interesting. And we'll see how many teams sort of catch on to that, latch on to that and say, mm -hmm. hey, this is what we're going to throw at them. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they had the horses to you know overcome that too, right? Like their wings can guard smalls. Uh, yeah. you know, we, we've seen it before. Um, it's just when things kind of break down at the point of attack, you're kind of in scramble mode. And for a team that's already in scramble mode to be in more scramble mode, that's... Uh, that's trouble for sure. What is your hmm from this game? Um, my hmm is going to be, uh, we're going to get a little into uh, the grains here. I'm going mm -hmm. to, there was a little play where Gary Trent Jr. flashed to the nail against the zone and mm -hmm. got off a jumper. And the Raptors never really went to that again. Right. Um, but I thought it was... 
some player movement for a change and got <laughs> someone in the middle of the floor who is very comfortable shooting from that range mm -hmm. and he got off a shot no problem and you know i'm curious to see if we see that again mm -hmm. uh and yeah that's my hmm uh I, I think the other one i had this the last time we did this and i'm continuing to uh be curious about it is mm -hmm. You know, Scotty Barnes, that aggressiveness, that attack mindset. He was uh, making a bunch of jumpers early on. Um, but, you know, I think in terms of his attack mindset against the zone, you, you were mentioning that, you know, he can be someone that's extremely effective against the zone. I thought he had opportunities to just go attack, play some bully ball. We didn't really see that, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, if we can see him over the course of his rookie season and early this season attack Jared Allen and go at <laughs> Joel Embiid and go, you know, last season, go at Damantas Sabonis. Like if he can go at those guys, like you PJ Tucker should that. be food. Yeah. Yeah. He can go at <laughs> anyone on that Sixers team. <laughs> yeah. hundred um, percent. Yeah. yeah. A little more aggression from Scotty would have been nice for sure. Again, just seven shot attempts. Not what you want from a guy who I think is near the top of the team in true shooting percentage right now. He's been, like low volume, but he's been really good so far, and I'm pretty encouraged by the early signs. My honorable mention for hmm was the fact that 2.4 attempts a game, 50% from three, it's 12 total attempts. It's nothing to get crazy about, but hmm, he's firing him with confidence. I don't know. It's pretty exciting. I'm not, I'm not uh, unenthused by it. I'll put it that way. So uh, <laughs> we'll keep an eye on that for sure. The Trent thing is interesting too, because like, he when he flashes to the nail he's serving the serge Ibaka function right is someone please shoot please uh and we'll do that i don't know if as like a the driving chops to sort of make a move to the bucket in that situation the way that i think that's a thing that i think precious does actually quite well in the zone you don't want him in the middle of the floor because he's not much of a playmaker necessarily but when he does flash he can kind of blow by the big who's in front of him there pretty comfortably Scotty does that pretty well too um, Trent's probably not doing that. He's also probably not surveying and finding a you know a cutter on the baseline or anything like that. But if you need someone to just pull the trigger, Gary Trent Jr. continues to be the closest thing we've seen to Serge Ibaka since Serge Ibaka left on the Raptors. Uh, we're going to wrap it there. Big V, this was great. Thanks so much, man. It was uh, lovely catching up again on a Monday. Where can people check out your work and anything in particular you would like to plug? Uh, yeah, usual stuff at raptors.com. Um some stuff for cbc sports and you can follow me on twitter at vivek m jacob where i am sure to lose my verification soon because i'm not going to be paying 20 bucks a month for it that's for sure you have to pay for verification that's that, that's a new thing that's uh that elon musk is apparently going to introduce boy oh boy am i glad i've started to migrate myself away from the hell website uh <laughs> Never was verified, never will be now, and I think that is grand. Uh, I can't wait for you to join the cool people again, man. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. We're going to round it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back again tomorrow to break down Raptors-Hawks. If all goes right, I actually might record it tonight right after the game, so you'll have it fresh in your feeds, bright and early, and uh, or you know at midnight if you're a night owl or something like that. So you have that to look forward to. Uh, one of these days, I have to beat Samson on the Reaction Podcast trigger. It's just... Uh, <laughs> he's, he's still beating me, even though he's at games and covering them now because he's better at his job than I am. But uh, I'll, you'll have that episode for you right quick, late, 
night tonight or early in the morning and we'll talk about raptors hawks we'll also talk to you again wednesday katie's gonna stop by as usual javar hines making his bi-weekly appearance this to come on thursday to break down their game that they play against the spurs on wednesday i think it is so loaded week ahead as usual when the season's rolling we'll talk to you again on tuesday with another episode of locked on raptors now go make your second listen of the day locked on sports today to get the full download from the weekend it's a great show go check it out wherever you get your podcasts bye-bye Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.